You ready? Yes. Hello and welcome to hmm. Hello and welcome to Jazz Hands, a podcast of Hello and welcome to Onesies, a podcast of Onesies and Wonders and Blunders. My name's Andrew. My name's Emily. And this season, we are talking about Dracula. Nope, we're not. We're not no. talking about Dracula the series. It is over. Our 21 episode Odyssey is over. And now we are on to Chess Game, a 1983 British series that is technically a mini series. But if it had been the most popular show in the world, I bet they could have done another season. So it qualifies. I think they should remake it. You know, it's fucking good so far. Did you try watching Slow Horses? I don't know what Slow Horses is. I know we talked about it last time, but I don't know what it is. I, I've, been, I've been really busy this week. I've been so busy. Gary Oldman's British spy thing. Ooh. I know Gary Oldman's a bad guy, but I like Gary Oldman. He's one of my problematic faves. <laughs> Bart's a lot. Oh, gross. List all of your male faves who aren't problematic. Go. One. One. Do I have one? Lee Pace. Oh. Matt Barry's not. No, Matt Barry. Yeah. No. See, there you go. See, that's why you always just what? Josh Hart. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He, it's his character on House of Fools was uh, a little bit problematic. He had a fondness for a certain uh, type of lady that was a little problematic. The character. Uh, we'll be talking about that at some point in this episode too, because. Um, British ladies were very horny in 1983. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Were they or is it just Terrence Stamp? They're just like, what's up, Terrence Stamp? I don't know. He was sexy as hell, though. Okay. So, chess game. Starting Terrence Stamp. um, Other people who are Robin Sachs. Uh, Robin Sachs. We've been talking about in pre-show. Then there is Michael Culver, who's sort of important. Um, I'm looking through the names. Uh, I've got their character names written down. That'll be fine. Yeah. And then uh, Carmen de Dussote. Yeah, I should have done a Google on how to pronounce her name. Sutoy. Satoy. I don't know. She's in it too. She's important. Okay. Yes, she but, is important. We open at a lake where they are extending a highway or something. And there are some politicians talking on camera when they get called over to the the lake. So they weren't at the lake to start, but they walk over to the lake, which they are draining so they can do the construction. None of this is important. Yeah. And they find a World War II bomber, but it's not a World War II bomber. It's a 1956 missing transport plane. It's a Pembroke plane. Which will be important um, throughout this whole thing, kind of. And there is a skeleton in the pilot seat. Yes. So yes, there is. We then cut to Terrence Stamp watching it on his TV with his T, but then he goes back over to his other program, which is a fake gangster movie. <laughs> um, That's exactly that what was... I have written in my notes. Fake gangster movie. Oh, we didn't do our three things. Do I, don't, things? I don't know that I have three things. Um, I want to talk about Penelope Wilton. I want to talk about a little bit of Crumpet. And then, I mean, that's pretty much all I have. Obviously you do. Um, okay, so <laughs> I will talk about... Oh, yes. Uh, how about uh, the Israelis have been filming the whole episode? Um, oh, the whispering. And um, there's a little bit of crumpet. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Naughty Sherry. Okay. Um, or, or workplace, uh, appropriate for the workplace. So uh, we should also note, this is part one of the episode. It did not tell us it was part one, but we are going to get an end of part one. So this is going to be interesting to see if they keep this up through the whole series and to breaking it into three different parts. But we then cut to, so we're at Terrence Stamp's nice little farmhouse where he's watching yeah. a faint gangster movie about Ma Kelly and Lefty. He gets a call from work and he's like, oh, are you watching the gangster movie too? And then he gets put out when his boss doesn't want to talk about the gangster movie. 
Yeah, he's uh, is very weird. He's he's presenting as sort of a I don't know, sort of grumpy. So what they're they're actually talking about is the news about the plane. Um, but when he yes, when he starts talking about the gangster movie, he seems he get his face gets screwed up when they're like, "No, silly, the news." Um, in their very British upper crust way. Um, but he's Brits is one yeah. of my notes. He's Snotty he's seems, he seems to be just sort of like cynical and maybe a little grumpy getting a phone call so late at night, which comes back in the next scene. Yes, and it is late at night. We haven't established yet, but it is at least eleven o'clock at night. So he then goes into work, which we now establish is a spy place because there's a security guard. He has to put a little co- a little card in a slot for the giant jail doors to open. Pull his card out before he goes in. Um, he's got his own office where he changes his clothes. He takes he pulls Into his, his pants down. Attire, yes. Oh my god, it was so funny. I was like, who did th- was that actually a thing that happened? Apparently, it was. Men just changing. I mean, they're British. They just do it all the time. They drop and, their pants in front and of other men. Other men come in. At least it wasn't a woman. I mean, that could be sexual harassment. I mean, not that it would have been. It actually, it actually kind of comes up that that's a possibility. Yes, it's, <laughs> it's incredible. Um, but yes, so he meets his other, the other guys in the department, including Robin Sachs's Hugh Roskill, and that's Michael Cover. Culver as Nick Hanna and um, Terrence Stamp's name, name is David Aubrey. Aubrey or Audrey. I, I thought it was Otterly with an O, but it's actually Oddly. Oddly. So both times. Yeah. He's not going to use a, suit, uh, a secret identity uh, throughout, which also threw me. But yeah. he talks about how this must have something to do with the Middle East because he works on the Middle East desk. Um, so then they go down to the boss's office where there's additional security. And then Terrence Stamps asks what the ratty fuss is about this and what it's got to do with Middle East connections, to which his boss tells him it's not the Middle East, David. Um, this is where I said snotty Brits. Then his boss, as a flex, makes him summarize a file and report on it immediately so yeah. this is this is very interesting i i assume mi5 has now been replaced by chat gpt based on the work <laughs> they have them do um but yes yeah, so now we get the backstory on this plane that uh the plane crashed in 56 from engine trouble Three people bailed out, at least. Mm -hmm. The reason they know the Soviets wanted something to do with it is because the Soviets then killed three people in relation to it. And so the question is, what's on the plane? Um, Robin Sachs, Hugh, mentions the engine trouble, and that's when the boss tells him that's not relevant. So it'll be interesting next episode if it is actually relevant. Because the boss is like, that's you don't need to know why it crashed to figure out what was on it or something. And but then did, we establish, oh. is it as ever established that the, whatever cargo has been stolen from the crashed plane No. and, and why they can't just go look at the crashed plane and figure out what the cargo was. Cause they presumed the cargo hold. We find out much later was empty. Okay. So it, it has been dumped somewhere. Yes. So f- this episode is called flying blind. If they were accurate, it would be called Flying Blind Part 1. But yeah. we'll get to the the way the cliffhanger works for this episode. Unclear if it'll keep up in every episode, but maybe <laughs> Emily will like that. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, based on what women in 1983 liked, anyway. So, um, the boss is like, okay, David, you're going to actually be a field agent on this because we've decided you're... Um, intel on the Middle East just sounds like you're parroting the Israelis. Yeah. So you you need to, you're too predictable and you need to earn your key. And so then he and Robin Sachs go stake out the funeral of the pilot. 
where we meet a bunch of characters. We meet a bunch Maybe. of characters. We Just, meet we meet um the former wife of the pilot, uh her daughter who is also the daughter of the pilot, her new husband who they've been married who would married the wife 20 years ago at least. So um, the plane crashed in 56 the which was 27 place, years ago is in what they 83. Yeah. yeah. So it yeah, he married her pretty soon at, he he consoled a grieving yeah. widow. Yeah. yeah. And then there are their three boys from that second marriage that we never really meet. They're just kind of no, in the background. So not. the wife I was I listened to her voice. I was like, oh my God, that's Penelope Wilton. I love her. And I was like, there's no way she's that old. I looked on IMDb. She's not credited. She's not credited. Like, there's nobody credited on this episode. But I paused it at the credits at the end, and it's this woman named Tessa Worsley, who apparently is known for this voice. And I was like, it sounds exactly like Penelope Wilton. Exactly. And she even kind of looks like her. But it wasn't. Did you add her to IMDb? I did not add her to IMDb. She's on the IMDb, man. Is she? She is. The very last person. Uh, Spoiler alert. TV credits are terrible on IMDb. I have Oscar Keytag. I'm on the specific episode. I am too. She's at the very bottom of the list. I've got Oscar Keytag at the bottom of the list. Oh, all casting crew. I'm sorry. I didn't look at the all cast. I'm dumb. Hi, I'm dumb. Hi, dumb. I'm Andrew. Oh boy! Is this is this what happens after you watch too much Dracula the series? It you could can't... be. I, I'm used to there being only like four people in an episode. It's also weird that she's the last casted. The cast lists on TV on IMDb are terrible. Like... She she has got a significant amount of lines in that one scene. Yes, I'm and she's surprised. very important to the episode. Yeah. But, so then. Um, Terrence Stamp introduces himself as being with the Ministry of Defense, but he introduces himself with his regular name. Yeah. Somebody asks him if he knew about the, if he knew the guy personally, and he's like, no, I just read up in his war record. Fine man. And they say, they were all fine men in those days. And then the husband's like, listen, I know you're MI5. Why don't you get out of here? Yeah. But instead they go have a drink. and so. This is where, now this is based on a novel, so I can only imagine the novel gets into the specifics of who was on the plane Mm -hmm. better than this. But this guy knew the pilot, knew the wife. They were in the same squadron. They were in the same squadron in the military. Yes, but he was not on the plane as a crew member. He was on the plane as a passenger. Why this is important is that he was not involved in the... The whatever legal or illegal going Smuggling. Yeah. Because basically, yeah. So it's black market smuggling out of Berlin. So, again, maybe the novel gets into this, but there's a, a lot of lack of context for the sort of history involved here. Even when it directly impacts this narrative, Terrence Stamp will say things like, really interested in world yeah. war ii or the nazis yeah they're real downers if you know what i mean israeli guy it is i love the like, middle east yeah shit, <laughs> yeah wow that's a flex he's like i'm british it's fine <laughs> okay we'll get we'll get we'll get to that there's some very interesting characterizations of the israelis where you're like Oh, they can have an apartheid state and still be discriminated against by Westerners. It's it's intersectional. It's intersectional. Uh, <laughs> the one thing you can always rely on white people for is intersectional bigotry. That yeah, is, that is kind of what we you know <laughs> when we support white supremacy, we put up the most intricate lines of support that we can find. <laughs> But what this means is this guy was not does not have any information about the smuggling. And he's like, I knew they were smuggling, but you don't rat on your mates. Yeah. However, I've since found out this guy was a total piece of shit. So I have no problem ratting on him. He cheated on his wife when she was pregnant because he thought he was going to be an American president. And then they start talking about how, well, if they were, if it was so bad, why didn't you weed out the bad guys? Terrence Stamp's like, well, I was at Oxford at the time. I can't 
can't yeah. be held accountable. And so then they start talking about the Terrence Stamp just out of nowhere starts talking about like how it's his first day on a new job and like he really hopes he does a good and it's just this weird it's, like it's weird because I feel like since the the scene where he's in his boss's office and he's just kind of being thrown into this new assignment, this completely new role, he seems to be there seems to be a lot going on in his brain that he's not necessarily speaking on. He seems to be really bitter that they're taking away his job and making him do this new thing. But he never actually vocalizes it until this moment. You know, he's giving he's giving his boss attitude, but he and and saying, "But I'm the Middle East guy. Like I'm the Middle East guy. Why do you have me doing this?" But he's vocalizing it here to other people. Like this isn't my bag. I don't know. It's my first day. Give me a break. <laughs> it's weird. Again, yeah. I think I think the novel would would probably have a little bit more of that internal dialogue. We also didn't get to see Terrence Stamp really at, we hadn't, we didn't get to see him at work before no. this. No. So our only like context for him outside of this is he made his own tea and watched a shitty fake gangster yeah. movie. Yeah. Like even if it had been a real gangster movie, that would have been like offered something, but instead he was watching, you know, something less real than the movie in home alone like four uh, lines of dialogue from a movie yeah yeah so they we also find out that the survivors of the plane didn't think that the pilot died yeah they were surprised that he was on the plane dead they thought he just had his big score and ran off okay now we cut back to robin Sachs, the young guy yeah. who i've got written down as hill but he's Hugh, Hugh, and his last name is Roskill, which does not sound like Hill. So basically, all of this is going to be hard to. It's going to be like <laughs> Sinjin. It's going to this Sinjin. is every British name in this is going to be like Sinjin. But here he's talking to the boss, and he's like, "You've got to snoop on David for us." And he's like, "I don't want to." Yeah. He's like, "Well, now, chap, this." this job isn't just a bunch of good, clean fun. You need to do this too. But the boss says he's been sideways into a good job. Whereas the other guy who doesn't like him, Llewellyn, I think. Yeah. Llewellyn thinks Llewellyn's in the bag with the Arabists, not the Israelis. So he doesn't like Terrence stamp on the middle East desk. So this was particularly interesting for me because the British in Palestine is a giant tale of bungled um, imperialism and colonialism. And basically one side backed Israel and the other side backed the uh, Saudi, what became Saudi Arabia. And so you're still seeing that play out 40 years later on British television and in British spy novels. Anyway, um, so Robin's got to write up a couple of reports every week. And then he asks for the name for the assignment. And I was waiting for them to say chess game. But instead, no, it is Lucretia. Presumably after Lucretia Borgia. Borgia? And is that because he's betraying? I, like, I don't know. I don't but know. They, they share a look about it. They're, at their public school, there was a, you know, they learned about the story of Lucretia. So they both get it. This is the classiest like in terms of classismisty british show i've watched in a while oh. like i sort of forgot how classist they are oh, because yeah. the reason terrence stamp can tell the husband that he doesn't like his new job is is because that's a fucking he's a working class guy who the fuck's he gonna tell that yeah. terrence stamps unhappy at mi5 that yeah. guy can't talk to shit okay so then David checks in with Hugh and they talk about, and now we get a slight recap of the scene with the husband, but with a little bit more information. Mm -hmm. This is where we find out that the, they never saw anything in the cargo hold. And then there was a, wait, where does he describe? Cause <laughs> maybe they no, they are together. I don't know. But basically I think I skipped over it, but they describe, the husband describes somebody he saw. 
to Terrence Stamp or somebody described somebody you saw to Terrence Stamp. Oh, yeah. And it's like a description like, yeah, he had brown hair and a yeah. mustache. So, and Terrence so, Stamp's like, I know who that is. Yeah, and it's his his rival, um, Ivan Vavavava. Um, Igor Kalin. Yes, thank you. And his uh, niece was the governor he, of Alaska. He describes um this is in the the recap. These guys are hanging out. These, okay. these Hungarians are or these guys claiming to be Hungarian are hanging out trying to get information. Uh but then But they're he, really Russian. He introduced them to Hungarian freedom fighters who have no patience for Russians and discovered that this was all a ploy. So at this point we're kind of suspecting that there are Russians after him, right? That are, that are going to be involved in this. Because it's the Cold they, War. Yay! It's the Cold War. It's the very end of the Cold War. This is, yeah. But yeah, but they describe this guy and it is the, it's like he's a white guy with brown hair and a mustache. And, and uh, like, it's just like, oh, he's very determined. Yes, maybe. with a very determined and, look on his face. And Terrence Stamp's like, I know exactly who that is. Mm-hmm. It's his nemesis, Igor Palin, who looks like he he does not look like a spy. He looks very uh, much like a, a middle-aged bureaucrat mm-hmm. and nothing like that. He does also does not look very determined either. Well, so he may, like, he, maybe he's describing him from 27 years ago. Maybe 27 years ago, he looked more like a spy. But yes, so we cut to this guy's office, presumably in Moscow, where he sees something about the plane. He's like, welcome back, Mr. Steelforth. Yeah. End of part one. Yeah. Now, this was Granada, right? Did they have actual commercials? Is this a commercial break? Yeah. I think so. So yeah, that is the big difference is Granada was ITV, I think. Mm -hmm. And so they had commercials, whereas BBC did not. Um. Also, Big Granada of the time was the Sherlock Holmes adaptation. Okay, so part two, starting at David's farmhouse. The first exterior of the farmhouse. He could be anywhere else, too, at this Mm -hmm. point, except the daughter pulls up behind him, and they sort of have this neat, cute, slash questioning thing where the stepdad told didn't tell her anything but david thinks he did but no she was eavesdropping on the stepdad and the mom and the mom got super upset because even though she thought her father was a hero now she knows that he was a smuggler there's a there's a great moment where (laughs) she's like you think my dad was great right and he's like I think your dad was a very courageous man and a fine pilot. But yeah. It's like when he was smuggling shit from Berlin, you know, yeah. like, as he he's, was committing crimes. He's really careful about not revealing too much information right away. And so then she tells him about how these weird people were always used to come around when she was a kid. Foreigners. Really... They keep using yes, let's foreigners. Say, oh, oh, yeah foreigners comes up a lot this yeah oh i'm sorry that's a lot better than where we're going that should have been one of my three things the foreigners foreigners um yeah i mean this is very british um all of these people voted for brexit every single person alive in this episode all of them the actors included terrence stamp was like brexit 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 let's do it I'll guest star on John Cleese's show about how I'm being canceled. Um, okay. So oh, oh, let me get this. I just Googled it. Oh, yeah. Not really? a good not a good guy. Yeah. No one speaks English is a quote from this article. Okay, I'm done. I I can't believe I just flipped that off. I'm such a fool. Okay, I'm sorry. I just derailed it. Uh, <laughs> Well, maybe you won't want to go into the priest hole with him every episode now. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Terrence Stamp. Just We just need a moment. Lee Pace, Lee Pace, Lee Pace. No better. Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel he's Radcliffe. great, apparently. I, I don't think I have any interest in ever seeing him act, but he certainly seems pretty good. Yeah, seems uh, like a nice guy. 
Can't wait till they interview him about the neo-Nazis they cast on the Harry Potter show. Okay, moving on. Um, sorry, foreigners at the top of my list still. So he offers to give her some dinner. He's like, she. Well, this is also him being charming. He's like, would you like to help? And she's like, I'd love to help. And yeah. he's like, okay, you can set the table and I'll get the stew. Something's wrong with his stew. We don't establish what, but he yeah. pulls it out and he sniffs it and he puts it away. Yeah. He did not pull it out of the refrigerator. So unless he has a mini fridge and a full-size fridge, the implication is he doesn't refrigerate the stew. And we get the backstory on the stew in a bit, so it's very weird. Yeah. So instead they have cheese and crackers. Sounds like a great date to me. There you go. You could talk about how the fucking foreigners don't speak English, apparently, with Terrence Stamp, I believe. God. Oh. God. (laughs) It's okay. I was listening to a podcast that was talking about how John Oliver talks about things that, you know, you really don't need to pay attention to any of that stuff. And I'm like, he's the bare minimum of, 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 of informed. He's, yeah. And I'm like, oh, the guy who was talking about it, he's a millionaire. Yeah, he doesn't really care that farm workers get fucked. Um, okay. Moving on. Back on track. I, I feel like there are going to be more diversions. Yes. Cut to the office. They're setting up a desk. Yeah, for Hugh. For Hugh in Terrence Stamp's office. Yeah. That, like, the door just opens wide enough that Hugh can sit at his desk, and then they'll be in there together. Yeah. So space is a, you know, they can't they can't get a their own, you know, room for this. They need and a... MI5 at the, height, at the height of the Cold War. Well, maybe not the height of the Cold War. Doesn't have... Uh room for this gentleman to have his own office that's no or well they would have to have an office together because they're working together yeah i guess here's where terrence stamp comes in and he was like did you have a good night and he's like hell yeah i did the daughter of js stayed the night and the secretary's just like yikes yeah and gets out of there and Terrence Stamp's like, what's her fucking problem? Yeah. And the guy's like, maybe she doesn't want to hear about your sex life, dude. And Terrence Stamp is like, sex? I put the evening to far better use. I got details. Yeah. So then he assigns Hugh a job to write up a dossier on the other two survivors. Mm-hmm. And Hugh's weird. And so Terrence Stamp's like, I mean, if you have to fill out your report on me first, that's fine. And he's like, he's like, oh, uh, I'm sure oh, they're having you write write reports on me too. And he's like, no, no, no. no. He's been at he's this like, too long. This other guy's a little green. He knows exactly what's happening. And Hugh's like, well, I won't tell. Them. And he's and Terrence Stamp's like, I'm gonna go talk to my Israeli buddies. And the guy's like, oh, they don't like you having Israeli buddies, so I won't mention that. And Terrence Stamp's like, you will mention that, otherwise you're gonna end up like me someday. Yeah. Which just sounds swell. Like, I don't know. Maybe this is what happened to Jordan Peterson. Okay. We then start cutting to shots of the foreigner. We forgot to mention this. At the funeral, there's a very distinct. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Leaving flowers. This guy is now staking out something we don't quite know yet, Mm -mm. but we then have the daughter, whose name is Faith, in a kitchen. She's in Terrence Stamp's kitchen, mm-hmm. but it took me a second to realize that because I'm like, we've never seen it during the day and we don't know where she lives. And it's a little weird she's there after he's at work, presumably at 9 a.m. Like, what was she doing? Phone rings. She lets it ring, but like maybe writes it down. Doesn't matter. She sees the three men coming up the road. She sees the three men. She does not think, those look like foreigners to me. Instead, she's like, well, how are you this fine morning at this remote, isolated farmhouse? And they're like, we're fine. We're here to buy the car. And they're like, well, he's gone to London. And she's like, or she's like, he's gone to London. And they're like, well, okay, thanks. They immediately get to London to follow David. Yeah. Like, or it's a different guy who looks exactly the same, but it's, it's hard David to tell. Yeah. Is now, yeah. Is now going into a shop and the guy is across the street watching them. Yeah. I think my note is 
different but similar guy. Okay, so they're in an antiquarian bookstore. It is sadly not the antiquarian bookstore with a vampire living upstairs with his dummy. No. So that didn't happen. Instead, it is David meeting with his Israeli spy friend who runs the bookstore. This scene caught me off guard a little bit because they're having a conversation, but it almost feels like they're speaking in code. Like the entire time. Yeah. It's, I have a problem. I have a 14-year-old daughter and I need to get her a gift for her birthday and I just don't know what to get her. And it's like, and he's like, I don't have any children. I I don't know what to get your daughter. It's, it's weird. It was a weird. It's weird. Scene. And I think this is one of the second or third scene where Terrence Stamp does the whistle spring thing uh-huh. but he does it again later and i don't think they really seem to know what they're doing about it because at some point he's just like i don't know man why don't you get her a bracelet and it's like the other guy gives no indication that he's heard him say that yeah terrence stamp does not repeat it to him and he does this a couple other times in the episode where he just he's, has an aside to himself he's it's just kind very, of being snarky and it's weird yeah, it, it comes off weird. as being snarky yeah But then they talk about how somebody stole something about Israel. Somebody somebody got into their apartment and stole some documents and whatever. And so basically Terrence Stamp's saying, no, we didn't do that, even if we have the documents or something. Yeah. And then they start talking about... Oh, no, this is when the guy's like, I don't know anything about your 1956 shit. Suez and the Cold War are not my field. You need to ask Theo, the great Nazi hunter. Yeah. Okay. We then cut immediately to him going to see Theo, the great Nazi hunter. Apparently, the pilot was smuggling jewels out of Berlin. Don't know. I mean, 56, who knows what they were like. Somebody stole them from somebody and they were smuggling them out on the black market. This is also fair. They have the excellent sherry and Terrence stamps sipping it and goes, very naughty. And I'm just kind of like. Did he say naughty or did he say nutty? As if. Did he say nutty or naughty? I thought he said naughty. I thought he he said said naughty at first. And then the second time I thought he said nutty. As if like it has. I don't know. Nut sense. I thought it had not sense. I don't know. <laughs> we don't drink enough sherry. I don't uh, drink any sherry. We need to drink sherry with the show. This is when he tells the great Nazi hunter, who appears uh, yeah. to be of a good age to have survived World War Two. Yeah. Eh, World War Two and the Nazis—they're not really in my interest. Yeah, not my, not like, my bag. The, not my bag. The guy, I just. I can't believe the the actor must have made this choice because given the episode, I can't believe that it was in like the director who's thinking about it. But the guy just kind of looks at him like, man, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. Really, dude? Really? Okay. All right. And that guy, cute little old man, uh, won't go into his politics, but he was on a bunch of stuff. I looked him up the other day. Where did he go? Uh, Theo, Oscar Ketak. Um, he was on, he was in Brazil. I mean, if you like that sort of thing and French and Saunders, Howard's way TV series. He was in a bunch of stuff. I love British television because everybody works with everybody. Like, yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Um, but yes. So then he tells him, Oh, well, do you know about blah, blah, blah? In German or something, and Terrence Stamp's like, "No, I told you, I don't care about that shit." And he's like, "Well, you're in, you're in physical danger. Your personal yeah. safety is in danger. Are you sure you weren't followed here, dude?" Yeah, and Terrence like, Stamp's I like, feel like I'm I'm not yeah. safe now because you're here talking. Because you me. came in here, yeah, fucking jackass Brit. Okay, so then we cut to the bosses talking, mm-hmm. and here it is. So now we're getting back into what he's reporting on. So this is the boss who thinks David's going to do good as a field agent and the other guy who wanted him off the Middle East desk for parroting 
reports from the oh i'm sorry what what do they, what does what do they call the israelis the red sea pedestrians yeah i'm just kind of like i mean it could be worse it could be worse uh, it's, it's like great. as a euphemism it's very like it's like somebody sat around and thought that up like yeah hmm, how do we say this just to or say, or it was like, in common use and they just took it okay but then we establish that the other guy says there's nothing he doesn't have any personal problems with david the boss doesn't seem sure of that but end part two yeah start of part three now i think part three is much longer than the other parts because now mrs miss faith calls the office mm-hmm to tell them to leave a message about the three foreigners at his farmhouse. And then they and selling his car. And everybody's like, they're not selling that piece of shit car. Nobody wants his car. I want his car. I like that car. That was cute. It was a cute little car. So then we cut to Hugh interviewing one of the other survivors. But this guy is a, he owns a model shop because... The weird thing about British men and their clubs and their sherry and their casual racism is they're still seven or eight year old boys. So there you go. Uh, And that seems to sum up their politics as well. That explains everything. (laughs) Um, uh, Okay. But (sighs) we have some weird banter about ordering, buying a Pembroke plane. Yeah. Hughes like, I want one in life size. And the guy's like, what the hell are you talking about? This is a model shop. He's being he's like, really, he's doing, you see he's doing a really bad job at like being sort of a snarky, bad, bad guy, bad guy. Like, you know, like I'm trying to get information from this guy. So I'm going to just throw in weird, random things and have this guy go, what the fuck are you talking about? this is a model shop dude and then he's like oh but i know that you were in this plane with this guy at this time what were you doing and it's like uh that was a long time ago i wasn't expecting this like it was very weird so we established that the model shop guy is was just the lookout he didn't know what was in the box yes okay uh i don't know what the transition is here before the car wash scene Yes, that's right. Weird. It's, there it's, is a scene, and my note for it is, are they actually drinking a Coke? Because I think there's a shot of someone so very clearly drinking The transition a is, isn't it the Theo and the antiquarian book guy, like, meet on the street? Yes, yes. And they have yes. a brief, casual yes. conversation, but it's actually about uh, David having visited them and blah, 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 blah. I remember that because... The car wash scene immediately after that is another one of those weird spy tropes where it's like, we have to go through doing this normal everyday thing so nobody can see us talking, you know, and it's so weird. It's so weird. Well, it's especially weird because, yes, so we have that scene in front of Theo's building, apparently, but the bookstore guy who's drinking the Coke is like spread out on a statue like lounging, like he's spending his afternoon in public. It'd be like if you were at the New York Public Library and you set up like a, a parasol on their steps and we're just like talking to people as they... You're just lounging well, on the lions, right? Lounging just, on the lions, yeah. Like riding a lion while yeah. drinking your Coca-Cola. Okay. <laughs> 1983 could have been a Coke too. Um, okay. But yes, so then we get the car wash scene, which is Hugh and David exposition dumping to each other Mm -hmm. and making their plans for what they're going to do next. They're going to go see the model shop guy again directly. Now (laughs) they're being all spy in their fucking car wash, Mm -hmm. but then they immediately hang out together. So it's just like, why were you being spy in a car wash when you're just going to go hang out together? Right. They go back to the shop where they have to break in stamp yeah stamp breaks in and hugh's like that's a felony sir 
And he's like, well, in that case, you can call me David. And then Hugh's like, righto, sir, because they're British. (laughs) Here's where I can't imagine the scene wasn't supposed to go better. But they find the Hugh finds the guy dead at the bottom of the stairs. And he's like, he's dead. And Terrence Sam's like, what do you mean he's dead? Get him up. And he's like, no, he's dead as in not breathing. And I'm like, how did Terrence Stamp not know that? Like, what I, else do you call I wonder dead? If this was, dead tired? I, I wonder if this was supposed to be a comedy beat that just didn't work out. Or like, you know, right. I, don't, I don't know. It, it kind of seemed that way to me. That it was supposed to be, I don't know. It was very, know. yeah. It was, it, was, it was quirky. I mean, that's kind of the thing that this is. Is there's Terrence Stamp's charming enough that like, you know, when he's telling us how nobody in Britain speaks British anymore, we can be like, oh, he's just so charming when he says that. This show gets away with quite a bit of, yeah, that that beat didn't work, but Terrence Stamp's really fun to watch. So yeah. it's fine. Um, we then cut back to them at the office where it's Terrence Stamp and the other dude from before, whose name we said, but also said it wasn't important, washing up together. Because, you know, you have a little we, and then you talk in the men's room as you do. And he's like, so is it an accident? And he's like, no, it's not an accident. But the police think it is, and we're going to let them. But they, yeah. but Hugh saw a female traffic warden when they were on shift change. So clearly she's the murderer. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, why don't they? And we saw her when they arrived and stuff. So there's an establishing shot. But it's kind of like, Shouldn't the police be able to figure that shit out too? Like, this isn't, this again, this is chat GPT level shit. This is yeah. chat the, GPT checking a witness list versus a, like, timetable. I've seen enough true crime to know that, you know, the the local authorities are going to take the lead until they realize it's out of, you know, it's something bigger and they need to report it up or they, they need help with something, Right. So it, I feel like at that ground level, it would be like, hey, let's find out who that woman was. Hey, why don't we do that? But no, it just... It or just you didn't away. tell them. Or yeah. you did not give an accurate report to the local constabulary. And I don't read... Um, I generally, I, I don't think I've ever read a spy novel. Maybe like uh, The Man Who Was Thursday or whatever. But... Uh, I, I I don't know if this is if this if the novel would be fleshing this out and explaining away some of these inconsistencies it's gonna, or yeah, it's gonna if the bad. type of person who reads spy novels just doesn't care. <laughs> As I recall, spy novels are incredibly verbose. So I okay. bet you would get a full breakdown on it, though maybe not. I mean, but they're very verbose as far as explaining their supporting cast and things like that. Okay. Now we cut to dinner for David and Faith at a nice restaurant. Oh, yes. Beautiful restaurant. And it's a French place. And they're talking about how she never knew her dad. And it's weird. And Terrence Stamps like, it's kind of weird. She married the other pilot. Yeah. And the daughter's like, well, the squadron was mom's way of family because that's who she lived by. So it's, it was her social circle. And then they start talking about the chaps in the car. What kind of chaps were they? Well, they were foreign chaps. And then he's like, well, what sort of ages? And she's just like, I don't know, three blokes, middling. Let's talk about your evocative kitchen. And he's like, what were their heights, Faith? And he's like getting really confrontational. Yeah. And she's like, is this business or pleasure tonight david and he's like well i mean it's business obviously yeah that's why i keep asking you these questions ding dong and then she's like stuff it david if you want to know this stuff get a warrant yeah and he had told her before that um you know it's it's, it's great that it's business because we get to write it off yeah and her 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 zinger as she leaves is eat up it's on expenses so <laughs> This is pretty cool. It was pretty fun. It was pretty fun little scene between the two of them. I was a little bit annoyed about how she was portrayed. Like she couldn't just like suck it up and enjoy the meal. And 
the time with this this person that she presumably is has some romantic interest in. What year would you say women started being well portrayed on British television? I don't know. Do you think it was in the 90s? Or do you think they had to wait till the 2000s? Probably the 2000s. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's not a great characterization. It's. We'll get into a bit of it in a bit. But I, have a, but I have a theory that I might not talk about on the podcast, but we can talk about after. Okay. Uh, but here we get, we cut to the Israeli Secret Service, where the antiquarian bookshop owner wants to be let in. And somebody's like, dude, you can't come here, because I think it's the embassy. And he's like, oh, whatever, everybody in London knows I'm a spy. Cut the crap, what's up? <laughs> and he busts out, the, the, the guy there busts out the report the bookshop is bugged. They know all of the contents of the conversation that he had, and including about the bracelet. But then they show him the photos of all the people who've been watching David. These are stills from the episode. So they are the shots of the actor. How did I miss suspicious... this scene? I do not remember this scene. And this is where my notice, the Israelis have been filming the whole episode <laughs> because they are, you know, they're not spy photos. It's a close up of the guy leading on the car. And you're just like, that was, that's the shot from the episode. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm impressed that you printed that, but. Uh, they didn't take, they didn't take, they didn't take B-roll of like him walking into the antiquarian bookstore no. or, you know, they didn't take any B-roll. Of too much trouble. Too much trouble. Um but then whatever happened to the car, who knows? Yeah. We then cut back to David's farmhouse, where, again, Faith has arrived. And so they have a little bit more cute banter where he's like, aren't you a little hungry? And she's like, I am a little hungry. And he's like, are you here for business or a social call? And she's like, well, I'm here to apologize, which I suppose is social. Yeah. And here is where she, he says, says he says something like, I'm, "I've been focused on work. Mm-hmm. I owe you an apology." I'm trying to, I'm trying to feed you the lie. Oh, sorry, <laughs> wait for it. He says, "I'm sorry, I was so wrapped up in work." Dot dot dot. I didn't. And she see, says, I, "No." He said, "I didn't see you as." And then she finishes his sentence with a bit of crumpet. And his he's sort of like taken aback because this is not how a lady acts. This is not how a lady acts. No. Um, and makes some comment that I didn't catch, and then they kind of giggle and go inside. And here's where we get the ex- explanation of the stew, which yeah. I wish I'd written down the whole thing because it's <laughs> fucking. Weird. It's this guy. This guy has the squirts every week of his life. Okay, like. This is not how you, especially if you don't refrigerate it. He makes a stew on Sunday. By Wednesday, if you add tomato sauce, I'm doing this from memory, I didn't write it down. He makes it into a risotto. He does something else to it the next day. But then by Saturday, he has the leftovers for a curry. And I'm just kind of like, that's probably not good for your intestinal situation my yeah like i recall he turns it into um a bolognese turns it into the bolognese comes after the risotto and then he turns it into um uh what's the hungarian dish goulash no he makes goulash goulash. yes you're right yeah and then somehow he makes curry from the leftover yeah yeah that's doesn't sound great no and here we get a little backstory on him. Um, he explains he was married for eight years. Um, this is actually like a well-acted scene. So mm-hmm. it's like, this is a moment of good television. Um, but yeah, so she thought she hated his job, but it turned out she just hated him. So they broke up and then we hear the geese cackle. But first he shushes her. Mm-hmm. And she apologizes to him and asks him what kind of questions he would prefer she ask him. And he's like, Shh, no, the geese. He's like, ask me why I got the geese. And I'm like, is this a fucking David Mamet episode already? <laughs> and she's like, uh, why did you get the geese? And he's like, I got the geese because 
a Roman general used to keep geese because they cackle if there yeah. was a sneak attack. Yeah. And she's just like, okay. And he's like, there's a sneak attack. We got to go. They go upstairs. He takes the wine bottle with him, mm-hmm. which makes, which implies some things that he is going to seem surprised by in a second. Thank you. Sadly, it's not a video podcast, so they can't see this. That's okay. Um, basically, Emily's over there making uh, peaches and what's the and uh, what's the other one? Eggplants or whatever. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Stop distracting me. Sorry, I'm making, okay. I'm embarrassing. They go upstairs. He's got a secret hideout in his bedroom. He's got a priest hole in his house. His his house is. Awesome. Yeah. Like, he has a very, they found a very nice filming location. Yeah. But yes, they go upstairs into the priest hole and she's scared of confined spaces. But the Russians who know they're in there throw a rock through the second story window, which scares her enough to go into the priest hole. They go in behind this flimsy door in what looks like a closet. And he's like, don't worry, they'll never find us in here. He's got the wine, he lights a lamp, and they're like, how long is this going to take? He's like, it might take all night. Who knows what those Russians are doing out there? And she's like, Russians? What's this about? And he's like, oh, I've got plenty of time to just explain that in the morning. And then she says, was this all an elaborate plan to get me into bed? And he says, no, but that's quite all right by me. No, 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 no. He says, no. And she goes, well, that would be all right with me. She says it. She She says says it. She is down to pound, baby. Down to pound. Well, let's not forget. She's got to work in a little bit of, they both got to be a little problematic here. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's good. I was worried you were one of those queer intelligence men I've been reading about. And he responds, no, that's the other crowd wink and i'm like what other crowd what's the joke there i don't know i yeah, don't know what i a, don't know what they're referring to i don't have that deep of a knowledge of 1983 british upper british middle class uh passive bigotry you're not you're not sure well or of military intelligence or uh any kind of intelligence agencies in in the uk i have or politics I know nothing. I know nothing. You also have to remember that they decriminalized homosexuality in what the sixties, so they don't have the same. They, all some of their bigotry has been imported. They they actually stopped with their own shit and like waited a few decades to import it from the U.S. But yes, so then the episode ends, presumably with them getting their banging on. Um. They're going to be banging while the Russians are searching the house. I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. It's like, you have to be so So quiet. he's like. You have to be so you're quiet. Be so disappointed in this. I know you're like, oh, that's Terrence Stan. He's General Zod. I'm ready to bow before Zod. <laughs> he's like, you got to be so fucking quiet or they will kill us. But yes. So they're going to have some very quiet sex. And then. The end. After seven minutes. They'll have the wine and wait <laughs> out the night. And I was like, I can't believe that this is the end of the first episode. I know. I know. I'm I like, was excited though. Where's yeah, I was like, this is a very weird place to end the episode, but also that's cool. Like, I'm down. They're nice together. I mean, there are some problems. They're charm they're charming. Issues. They're both attractive. They're charming. They're 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 they've got a cute chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean it's it's a real show. It's very different from what she's, we're used to. She's significantly younger than him, but that's well. I mean, yeah, you were de- you were DTF until you read about his politics, and he's eighty two now or whatever, right? Like, yeah, he's like eighty four or something. Yeah, there you go. Oh, almost almost like everybody should just die. <laughs> hey, Terrence, I speak English. That's my pickup line. <laughs> Is there a single one of those people who isn't a piece of shit? I don't know. I just don't have to be like one. Doesn't there have to be? I don't don't know. Probably not. There you go. There you go, listeners. 
find us a British actor who worked in the 80s who isn't a piece of shit today. Because Rowan Atkinson's a piece of shit too, everybody. Oh, Don't is he? Oh. oh, God. He made a, like, 32-part original series for Netflix about him attacking a bug. And everybody's like, why the fuck is this a series of 10-minute episodes? This is weird. What is this? And he's like, this is about being canceled. And everybody's like, it's about him trying to kill a bug. Like, it's not about him being, yeah. Rowan Atkinson, wow. John Cleese. Yeah. Yeah, he's bad. None of them. Bad guy. The, the the Beatles are both like, eh, icky, icky, foreign people. Only George Harrison. Well, the it. woman, the woman, Carmen de Satoy, she doesn't seem mm-hmm. to have had any, um, have any opinions on Brexit that she. Is she a British subject? Uh, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Born in, born in London. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, but that's just because she's a woman over the age of. 35 so nobody cares what she says anymore yeah that's so, true there you go was she talking about Meghan markle there oh, do that there's oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah that'll be bad Google. okay so that's that's, that's, a, that's i like that's the litmus test we've got <laughs> what were their opinions on Meghan markle what are their opinions on bre- brexit <laughs> i don't see anything what? i don't see Does anything Meghan markle even speak english oh god <laughs> Poor Megan Markle. Okay. Well, that was a delightful episode of television. It was, it was a delightful episode, folks. We, when you watch it, you don't think about how they're all a bunch of racists yes. today. Yes. You're just like, everybody was racist in 1983. Let's That's just, just the way Take it, it for red. It's the Cold War. So there's going to be bad stuff happening with Russians as well. It's, you know, there's a lot of still in the 80s a lot of uh middle east stuff happening so there's gonna be racism around that so we just have to just accept that it is part of the culture the world that this was made in and it's wrong but we're watching it so maybe next time we won't have to talk about it i'm gonna go cry now maybe maybe or next time (laughs) we'll just write down our list of their uh euphemisms for foreign people it's it's 1983 she could break up with it for having a jewish friend it's 1983 we could see that we could see that yes um so yeah and it yes as as a fan of a british uh, of british television it's very well i mean there's full-on slurs and faulty towers that that they were like this is fine and it was 78 or 79 and now they they've taken it out of like the u.s releases but it's still in the other one somewhere and you're just like it wasn't it was it was super yikes dude and you shouldn't have waited until 2015 to notice that um Because, you know, British people, they can't be racist because they were against slavery. Remember? Remember they got rid of slavery first or whatever? But they didn't. But they said they did because they were better. Um, Yes. So, but yes, for British television, there is British television. I don't know if there's anything about the 80s, but the British have finally started um, having a more mm, truthy uh, perception of themselves in history. Yes. Very slight. Yes. And, it, you know, not a lot of them, but a little bit, a little bit. They're acknowledging maybe we were super racist, sexist, and bigoted until, ooh, I don't know, yesterday. Yeah. But it's, so, it's slowly changing. Slowly changing. Like everything. Like everything is slowly changing. Um, the next episode, episode two of Chess Game, is called Cold War Game. Speaking of the Cold War, and the cast list includes many of the same people. It looks like we won't see Mom again. We won't see uh, her stepdad, but Carmen de Satoy is in it again. Uh, hopefully, this does not wrap up her involvement in the TV show, but I fear that it might. I sort of wonder if he's going to have a different leading lady every two part. I what I assume right now is. We're gonna have two part. We're gonna have three two parters, basically. Yeah, and he's I, gonna. I think that's what I, in my investigating, came up with that it's okay. mostly two parters. Oh, she's in so, the third episode too. Okay, I'm feeling a little bit go. better. I'm she fucking 
dies in the third episode. She dies, and they put her in the refrigerator in his house, and she her death is going to motivate him to be a better action hero. No. I don't want her to die. I like Like her. James Bond. I do too. Okay. So, there you go. Okay. Uh, So, no, I think that's it. Um, Thank you all for listening. Andrew, see you in television land. See you in television land, Emily.